A space scientist says, maybe we're all Martians. What does he mean by that? Well, give me 15 minutes and we'll discuss that. This is Truth in the Test Tube, a program where we examine nature with the logic of cause and effect, suggesting that nature is an effect whose cause is God. So let's turn up the heat, add the light of analytical thinking, and see what truth bubbles up. The late astronomer Carl Sagan wrote, Many years ago, so the story goes, a celebrated newspaper publisher sent a telegram to a noted astronomer, Why collect 500 words on whether there's life on Mars? The astronomer dutifully replied, Nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody knows, 250 times. <laughs> Repeating the same two words, 250 times? Yes. Is it still true that nobody knows whether there's life on Mars? Or have the space vehicles that have landed there in 2004 and 2012 discovered some kind of life? No, they haven't detected even the simplest life forms. But the fact that scientists are spending more than $3 billion to research that possibility shows how intensely some people want to know. Why such extraordinary effort and expense? Well, scientific curiosity is part of the reason. But some scientists have also said that they hope to find out whether temperatures on Mars have always been so cold that human-like life would not have been able to live there. When you say human-like life, do you mean also other warm-blooded mammals? Yes. If it once had complex life forms, some researchers hope to find out why the temperatures became so extremely cold, maybe figure out how to keep our planet from either overheating or overcooling to the point where human life could become extinct. So they may learn something that might enable us to survive on Earth. Well, yes, possibly. But the major reason that NASA talks about most is that evolutionary theorists can't demonstrate that non-living substances evolved into the first living cell on Earth. That's interesting. If non-living chemicals didn't spontaneously develop into something alive, that's a major problem for the theory of evolution. Someone expressed it as, if there's no kick-off, there's no game. How do scientists explain why they haven't found definite evidence that the first life developed from non-life here on Earth? Some explain the lack of evidence by speculating that biochemical evolution might have occurred here on Earth, but that the evidence eroded away. One NASA website says, Mars may be a fossil graveyard recording the chemical conditions that fostered life on Earth, where the record of life's first moment is likely to have been eradicated forever. You said some scientists explain the lack of evidence that way. Are there other theories? Yes. Other scientists explain the lack of evidence that non-living materials evolved into the simplest living cell by assuming Earth hasn't existed long enough for natural processes to produce the first cell here. Project Chief Engineer Gentry Lee explained maybe life evolved first on Mars and was knocked off the surface and carried to the Earth. Maybe we're all Martians. Maybe we're all Martians. Is he saying that maybe the first living substances developed on Mars and maybe we're descended from them? He hopes at least some organic chemicals, such as an amino acid, may have developed on Mars and travelled to Earth as the first step toward making life on Earth. If they found that, 
it could mean some living substance from Mars could have been our great-great-great-grandfather. Their statements contain many maybes and may-haves, lots of speculation. So that's one motive for space vehicles to explore Mars, to find clues that could indicate that life evolved there. Because scientists admit they have no evidence that living organisms evolved on Earth from non-living chemicals. As we said, if there's no kick-off, there's no game. I understand from news reports that the primary thing they are seeking is water. NASA chose the landing sites for the Mars rovers because those locations looked as if they may have had water at one time. Well, yes. They believe that if they discover water on Mars, it could indicate past or present life. We often hear the statement, where there's water, there's life. Is that true? It's more accurate to say, where there's life, there's water. As living organisms contain water, but not all water contains life. Living cells have more ingredients than mere H2O. That's an interesting way to express it. Living cells have more ingredients than merely H2O. Those who give the impression that water equals life are making a mountain out of a molecule. Taking one small ingredient of life, they talk as if it equals life. Biochemist Dr. Michael Behe points out the fallacy of naively assuming water equals life. He states, it's like saying, if we find iron on Mars, we should be looking for a car because cars contain iron. Nobody has the foggiest idea how we could get from simple chemicals, with or without water, to the first cell. World-renowned biologist Dr. Lynn Margulis adds, to go from a bacterium to people is less of a step than to go from a mixture of amino acids to a bacterium. Amino acids are already a major step above non-living chemicals. Is she saying that progressing from those acids to a simple bacterium would be more difficult for natural processes to achieve than for a bacterium to evolve into humans? That's why she says to go from a bacterium to people is less of a step than to go from a mixture of amino acids to a bacterium? Yes. Then why do many scientists insist that non-living chemicals transform themselves into living substances? The late biochemist and science writer Isaac Asimov admitted that scientific facts didn't force him to accept the theory of evolution and reject an alternative explanation of how life originated. His atheism drove him in that direction. Really? What did he say? Well, in Asimov's biographical Encyclopedia of Science and Technology, he wrote, For nearly a century, it's been assumed that Pasteur had laid to rest forever the bogey of spontaneous generation. Isn't that the hypothesis that living matter originated spontaneously from non-living matter? Didn't French chemist Louis Pasteur disprove it in the 19th century? Well, yes. Asimov wrote, but Pasteur only disproved spontaneous generation under the specialised conditions of his experiment. He kept sterile solutions as long as four years without life developing. But what if he kept it a billion years? He continues, after all, from the mere fact that we are here, we are forced to assume that once upon a time, at least one case of spontaneous generation took place, Assuming further that one eliminates supernatural creation from consideration. Oh, so he just assumed to eliminate supernatural creation. He just assumed God out of existence. Exactly. 
he realized there's no proof of spontaneous generation of nature producing life from non-living matter but he preferred that unproven idea instead of the idea of god as creator are you saying some of the people who sent space vehicles to explore mars wanted to discover evidence that spontaneous generation occurred there that would convince them that it probably occurred on earth but that the evidence has eroded away yes sagan said if life existed only on earth it could be a miracle performed by god but in his mind if life exists in two or more places it would prove that life originates itself by natural processes with no need for god sagan believed enthusiastically in extraterrestrial life but even he acknowledged the essence of life is not so much the atoms and simple molecules that make us up as the way in which they're put together ingredients are only part of the recipe Hmm, that sounds logical. We need a chef to blend ingredients in the proper ratios, then bake them at the proper temperature for the right length of time. More than a century ago, one of Darwin's friends admitted the reason he believed in evolution was not completely scientific, and he used the same word as Asimov, assume. Which of Darwin's friends was this? Aldous Huxley. He wrote, I had motives for not wanting the world to have a meaning, and consequently assumed that it had none. and was able without any difficulty to find satisfying reasons for this assumption the philosopher who finds no meaning in the world is not concerned exclusively with a problem in pure metaphysics not just a problem in philosophy he's also concerned to prove that there is no valid reason why he personally should not do as he wants to do for myself as no doubt for most of my friends the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation from a certain system of morality we objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom there was one admirably simple method of confuting these people and justifying ourselves in our erotic revolt we were denied that the world had any meaning whatever i never heard anyone admit before that this was their real reason for refusing to believe that god was our creator yes the desire to discover life elsewhere in the universe has motives beyond scientific curiosity carl sagan thought finding life on a second planet would prove life was a natural phenomenon that drove him to want life to exist on mars as images and data continued coming in from mars beware of how they're interpreted some scientists will try to spin them because atheists can sleep better when they find some semi credible hook on which to hang their preference to explain our existence without having to acknowledge a creator who holds us accountable for our actions has today's program brought a question to your mind if so we'd like to hear from you Where you live determines which email you use. If you live in India, please use testtube at radio882.com. Let me repeat that, testtube at radio882.com. Elsewhere in the world, it's truthtest at truthinthetesttube.org. That's truthtest at truthinthetesttube.org. We'd be honored to hear from you and know what you're thinking, along with any questions or suggestions you may have. 
and join us again next time for Truth in the Test Tube.